Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. AboutToReview.com is where you can find full links to the show notes and guests. Make sure to also subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on right now. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere else. And you can also stream the episodes directly from the website AboutToReview.com. If you want to reach the show, AboutToReview at gmail.com. Because it is award season, I am pulling people off the bench like a six-man. So joining me on this week's episode is friend and fellow Seattle critic Matt Oaks of Silver Screen Riot. What up, John? I'm here. I'm going to bring down the house. This is rated PG-13. I'm going to try and not <laughs> drop any F-bombs, so you have to go back in and edit them out. But that would good be... <laughs> luck to you and good luck to me. Yeah, uh, yeah we will see because there definitely are some movies we will be talking about. So the general rundown of the movies we will be reviewing on this week's episode, mid-90s. Bohemian Rhapsody, What They Had, and Suspiria. Uh, one of those movies in particular, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have to... Uh, there will be words. There will be. Choice words. <laughs> definitely. So that will be on this week's episode. Before we get into that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Since this is Matt's first time in studio, we're going to do what we always do with a new guest, which is the Getting to Know You, Uh-oh. Matt Oaks edition. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so first... Careful what you wish for. <laughs> so your website and your handles on pretty much everything is Silver Screen Riot. Yes. Uh, I gotta know, where did that come from? What is the story behind Silver Screen Riot? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> really putting me in the hot seat. Well, so originally, when I was in college, um, I had I had a... Uh, a blog that was called Smart Film because I guess I'm a pretentious <laughs> ass. I was like, wow. Um, and Almost, it would be the only way it could be more pretentious is I'm smarter than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dot, I mean, dot film. I, yeah, that was taken. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so no, I and I was going to try and get that as just like uh, SmartFilm.com, but then uh, the website it wasn't like taken, but it had been sold. Oh. So I was like, oh, I got to think of something else. Um, and I don't know. God, really thinking back to the origin of what Silver Screen Riot was, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I, it's just a string of words that I don't know, it, like it meant something at the time, and honestly, I don't remember at all. Um, but you know, I think Silver Screen is speaks for itself, and then Riot, mm-hmm. I think, kind of. Uh, alludes to my writing style uh where i'm a little i'm a little sardonic i'm a little sarcastic a little caustic and i'm kind of funny so it's kind of like tying all that in (laughs) to also you know the movie thing so it's a it's a riot but you know i'm using the dual (laughs) riot but i don't know it's not that inspired because it was also a while ago because you have been doing 
before Silver Screen Riot, like you talked about, you know, like with college, yeah. you know, smart film. How long would you say that you have been a? Because I would give this distinction. So first to my to my listeners, everybody is a film critic. Right. And when you first come out of a theater, yes. you talk about it. Everyone is a film critic, but there's a difference between that and a credentialed film critic. So how long have you been a credentialed film critic? Yeah. So after after college, so I had the I had my blog, and I uh, I lived in Thailand for a while. And when I came back, I was like, Hey, I'm gonna try and give this a crack. So I I was doing my blog for a while, and then I started writing out of a couple publications. Um, one out in New York. And uh, another one here in Seattle. Wait, that was when you came back from Thailand. That was when I came back. Okay, I was like, "What movie reviews were you doing in Thailand?" <laughs> I did. I did still review movies on my blog, like because things like uh, the Avengers I saw in Thailand, and that comes mm. out like two weeks early internationally. So I actually saw it before everyone in a theater and, or in, in, in a DVD on a stand. Yeah, somewhere I, I got a lot of those. Those yeah. were fantastic, and they're mm-hmm. like a dollar a pop. Um, but so when I came back, I was writing for some publications, and I leveraged that into going to um, my first film festival, which was uh, CIF, the mm-hmm. Seattle International Film Festival. Yep. And so that was my first crack at like a credentialed, um, have, having having credentials as official press. Right. That was in 2012. Um, and then I used that to become accredited with the local PR group. So mm-hmm. I've I've officially been a film critic for for six years, and what I mean by that is that I've been going to film festivals, including SIF, South by Southwest, Sundance, mm-hmm. um, for for many years, as well as being on all the local PR press lists. Press lists. So basically, the difference, as you described, everyone's a film critic, yes. but we get to do it for free, <laughs> and we get all the cool perks. We yeah, we definitely we get some cool stuff. Uh, I saw a rumor, or not a rumor, I mean, we were talking about it in our in our Slack thread. There's a movie coming out called Border, and every now and then, movies get weird with stuff that they send us. Before we started recording in the studio, Matt was reading a little comic book, those Ant-Man and the Wasp. So small. That came with the magnifying glass, just like little things that the studios just send out to us. Last year, for Hereditary, I think, they sent... Like a, a mouse toy to some yeah, people. Yeah, it's a it, it was a so there's the the Charlie in the in the movie. She like that creepy little kid mm-hmm. um, with the the like perfectly prison orange colored jacket uh she you know she makes all these weird creations like clipping the heads off of crows and so they had the recreation of the of the crow's head that had been cut off and then glued onto uh like that uh what's that stuff the baby powder gold bond gold bond baby powder and like a little crown on the head and it's this little figurine that they were selling on etsy as well just like limited editions i had that i was pretty psyched about that i mean yeah definitely is interesting this year there's a film called border and from what some critics have been saying they received something from the studio that had live insects in it i've heard this yeah Come on, uh, that's man. not great. No, that's not great. It like, really is not. Basically, the studios like pulling a Jared Leto on right. on their press people. Like, you don't want people going into your movie being like, "Oh, it's the guy who sent me the cockroaches that yeah. are now scurrying around my apartment and eating the saltines." Terrible idea. Send us T-shirts. We like those. Mm-hmm. But like every I, now I, and then, I just got the uh, the the Mondo poster. Oh yeah, for Suspiria, which. We will upon, get into. <laughs> upon opening, I was stoked about yeah. the poster. It's really cool. Like the artwork, and I put some of them up on 
social media, like when we were watching mm. the screening, the posters are incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. We'll get into the movie a little bit later. Yeah, but So with that being kind of the origin story of Silver Screen Riot, like around 2012, do you remember the first movie that you officially reviewed? I mean, was it Avengers or oh, was man. it no, 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 something no. random that was, from Sith? That was just in Thailand. Um, oh, okay. I mean, the first... I think the first movie that I ever did like a, a write-up of, but this was unofficially, I think it was like Inception or something. Oh, wow. Because like, uh, such, you know, that's like such a like wannabe film critic movie where you're like, yeah. I'm going to write a like 10-page scrag <laughs> right. about Inception. And so I did. Um, it's like, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I don't even think it's, I mean, it's fine, but it's like. Ooh, is it I still like, live on your website? I It might <laughs> It might be if you like you go to the first post or something, but it's like literally I spend a paragraph talking about like every single character. Mm. Just just no editing prowess at all. Like right. just like I think everyone needs to know everything that I think about every character and every choice they make in this movie. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that's something that we learn in time. It's like, sure, there are people who love their deep dives, but, you know, I, I, I think I've learned to edit. Over time. <laughs> right. What do you mean? And that is something that all of us just kind of learn as we go. I mean, again, I am over two years into the podcast. I still do not really do that. I do a lot of long form reviews, but still it is just like all of us have our different things, our different quirks. So it really is about finding your voice. I think that is the most important thing. When do you think that, when do you think you really hit your stride? <sighs> so actually I think... Uh, maybe I'm wrong because I, I I should have brushed up on this beforehand, but I think the first w- review that I wrote that was like published was for um, the Hobbit, the, okay. the first one, mm-hmm. um, and I gave it a I gave it a bad grade, and I was really yeah. proud of that. Yeah, because <laughs> like coming as like a Lord <laughs> of the Rings fan, like mm-hmm. being able to detach myself emotionally from from my fandom yep. of of what Peter Jackson had done there with this and like not looking at it through that rose colored, those rose colored glasses. Like, Oh, Um, it is still middle earth. It is still right. Sure. The movie still sucked. Right. It's like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like Batman is still in whatever league. Justice league. (laughs) I don't know, but doesn't mean it's, it's good. All you DC fanboys. I'm in a knife fight. All yeah. of you with my words right now. I don't know if you have a lot of I really did. rabid. Not necessarily rabid. I'm very fortunate in that a lot of my listeners are just really nice well, and well-behaved. The, so. the Marvel movies suck, too. So let's. I'm getting Shots it from fire. both sides. <laughs> Bring it on. Don't at me. Yeah. Uh, no, they're definitely going to at you because it will okay, be in the perfect. show notes. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, so doing something you know like <laughs> Hobbit where you know that was kind of that first thing where you had to distance yourself and be like, right. Okay, let me look at this objectively. Critically. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And and like I think that there is something to be said about how how the 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 filter that you consume media and entertainment through shifts mm-hmm. oh, after yeah. you've been working as as a critic for a long time like and there's there's moments where I wish I could kind of tap out of that and like just kind of take things at at face value, and I don't want you know I don't I'm not trying to sound pretentious like oh like, it's it's a hard knock life like <laughs> pinkies uh, up right. when we're watching the movie, but like you see 
100, 150, 200 movies a year, mm-hmm. new movies, not yeah. counting the old things that we're catching up on. And you, you're able to see um, patterns and tropes and yep. platitudes repeating themselves over and 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 over again to the point where seeing these things rinse, recycled, and repeated just holds no value. And like, so I think that that's that is part of why like you see like this detachment between. Um, what is populist and then like what uh, ends up on like critics top tens list because yep. we want something that's like really different. And I think a lot of, a lot of audiences who are going and like seeing like five, 10 movies in theaters a year, they want to see something familiar. They want to yep. see something they know they're going to like. And there's, so, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No movies are escapism, right? If you want to go to the movie and again, you talk about it. I talk about it. Sometimes there are movies that are purely popcorn movies where you can just turn your brain off just have some popcorn, enjoy it, disconnect from the world for a couple hours, and that is fine. And that is, that is great. It just sometimes when our volume is just so much more, we, we try and find those other things. It's a lot. It's it, a lot. it really is. I mean, it's a lot. especially with short films, like when I do my end of the year kind of rundown of that, I watch close to 200 short films That's alone. so short. <laughs> It's just like one well, those so much short, so much short. Um, but definitely speaking of which, quick segue or plug. Uh, this week, actually, the day that you guys are listening to this, uh, the Seattle Forty Eight Hour Horror Film Competition or mm. Film Project is going on at the Arc Lodge. So I have been talking about that for a while. I'm a sponsor of that festival. I love supporting local cinema. So go check that out. Cool, cool. Um, uh, you know I'm a horror guy. Yeah, I definitely but, do, and that ties into uh, <laughs> ties into my my last question, oh, the yeah. getting to know you section. Right. So, being that you love horror, not just horror movies. Mm. So, right now, at the date of recording, we're recording the 29th. Yeah, how many haunted houses have you done this month? Ha <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, my my wife and I have done 11. Wow. Um, <laughs> we are planning on going to one tomorrow night. Okay, and one on Halloween. So we uh, last year we did thirteen as well, and so we'll be doing thirteen again wow. this year. So we even we even went down to um to Portland to do some really this year. yeah, and uh, we because you exhausted all of the ones around here. I, uh, we have literally done every one within like two mile two two hours of of driving from Sheesh. Seattle. Um, so add tech on another hour, and you are in Portland. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we uh. We were actually super disappointed by one, like the main Portland one. It's called Portland uh, or PDX Fear. And it was like 50 bucks. Whoa. Like normally they're, you know, 15, 20, right, right. 25. Um, but this one is 50 after like fees. And we got the VIP pass because it was like hours and hours in line. And it was probably our second, least, second to last in terms of all of them that we've gone to wow. this year. So really disappointing. However, uh, another one, which was on the way back in Kelso, Washington, which is, you've never heard of it. That's <laughs> because it's Kelso? that's because it's Kelso, Washington, and no right. one's heard of it. Um, uh, when we were there, we, we we asked the people at the hunt. We're like, hey, yeah, we're hungry. We want to grab some food. Like, what what's, what's around here? They're like, well, there's an IHOP. There's a <laughs> McDonald's. There's a Burger King. There's a win-. I'm like, just I'll stop you right there. Like, yeah. 
I get the picture. Mm-hmm. There's not much. No. Um, but that one was sweet. And to tie this into movies, it was in an old movie theater that Ooh. they had converted into a haunted house. So, like, you're going through, and it totally, like, if you weren't actually walking into a movie theater and then, like, entering through, like, those auditorium doors, you right. never would have really guessed. No. So they ripped out all the seats. Total teardown. And, like, the rooms would go from, like, one theater and then outside, like, through the escape exit mm. and, like, come back into another one. Very, very, very cool. That was called uh, Cinema of Horrors. Ah, clever. Yeah. Clever. Really good. Really good. <laughs> okay. But, like, you know, two and a half hours from here, so. So, I mean, for the dedicated haunted house fans out there, now with, I mean, again, not just haunted houses, but the movies, what was it about horror specifically that kind of just drew you to it? Uh, to be to be perfectly honest, like growing up, my my little brother was really into horror movies. Okay, he um he was he was. I mean, we both kind of grew up like watching movies, but we didn't really have TV growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I would I would not say that I was like a kid who watched a bunch of movies growing up. My brother was in a wheelchair for for a good while and so he he like did just you know watch a lot of movies he was really in a horror when he was uh like 11 and 12 like a young kid like he would be you know burning through all like the wrong turn movies and like and and for a while like i'd be like no casey is all the same he's like no like these are good and so uh he he partially turned me on to them and then um i was always like a, a a big fan of of certain like, you know, art house elite horror movies. You know, right. your your shinings, your mm-hmm. exorcist, all that jazz has always had a a, a f- special place in my heart. But um I think uh my my wife definitely really turned me on to to horror. Morgan is a big, big horror junkie. I mean nice. she knows she knows more about horror than uh than most people. So um I I met her like se- yeah, seven yeah, I should know this. Seven years ago, and um, this is she's... where I will edit in the actual number when he remembers it later. <laughs> no, it's it's seven. Um, but uh, yeah, she she definitely turned me on to a lot, and nice. it's kind of spiraled from there and become a uh, a bit of a a bit of an obsession, especially this time of year. It's like for sure. When again, we get everything from like the bigger budget stuff to the super indie stuff mm. that the studios are like. This is our one shot, one time of the year when people might actually watch <laughs> this movie of ours. Here it is. I feel like we're in an era of, uh, like, it's like a new golden age of horror. Because, mm-hmm. like, you you look at some of the great horror movies of the, of the past, just even if you're narrowing it down to the past five years, like, for me personally... My my number one pick for my favorite movie, for like three years, maybe four years running, has been a horror movie. Like consistently, I was like, as somebody who has been following your top ten list for yeah. the past few years, uh, yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Oh, and and like it's always at least you know three, four, five of my favorites are horror. We're just, yeah. we're living in an age where they're not only huge blockbuster successes. Um, when you know, because we 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 get things like Halloween, which I. Loved. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It did it did exactly what it needed to do, and it's going to make a buttload of money. Yeah, and it was entertaining as that is exactly the kind of movie that that 
you talked about earlier where it's like you just go to the theater and you're like able to just soak in like this is why I see movies. Um, but then we also have like some really great art house stuff mm-hmm. that goes, you know, well, and criminally stuff, underseen. It was something that I put on your wall recently when somebody did an article of like the top 10 horror films oh, right. on, Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah. Because Netflix, you know, love it or hate it, there are some people who, you know, are like, oh, you know, I think somebody in that thread is like, oh, it's the direct to it video is. of our generation, which is fine because the ability, the difference between the direct to video from back in the day. You still had to go out and do something. You still had yeah. to go out and find it. This time it is like new releases on Netflix. It is right there. It is like 90 minute horror movie. Sure. Let me give it a shot. I think that that is also something that's like uh, it's a double edged sword because I think that it does also kind of detract um, because I, I don't think that you see as much a div- as a divide in, in other genres. Like, cause as I mentioned, like a bunch of my favorite movies every year are horror, mm-hmm. but equally are they some of the worst movies of the year? Like <laughs> it is so easy to make a terrible horror movie The none. and Netflix, Netflix <laughs> cranks them out. I mean, yeah. not to say that they're all abysmal, but you know, like Netflix originals by and large are like pretty dopey. Like, yeah, it's just like, well, like here, somebody put this script in the trash. Let's dig it up and <laughs> right. let's attach some we can director. We get it made for $2 million. Make it for $2 million bucks. Mm-hmm. And we'll, you know, dupe a couple million people into watching it. And I don't know how their money system works. Nobody, Nobody does. Knows. <laughs> They're clearly selling souls or they have some deal with Satan. It does not make sense. They're making sense. like $80 billion of like content this year. Which again, I, like the membership, even when they bumped it up, is $15 a month. Yeah. They're generating so much original content. How? Even even <laughs> like if every single person in the world was a subscriber, like their profit <laughs> margins, margins still have to be like razor thin. Yeah. Yeah. So it it is interesting. But with that, Canada, to wrap up that section, what was the first movie that scared you? And what is the latest movie to scare you? Oh, okay. Um... I think I think one of my favorite like uh theatrical experiences that I've had with a horror movie was um The Ring. Okay. Uh I went again with my brother um and he was Do you know when that came out? It's Oof, like oh like two oh three. I like, saw yeah, it in a tiny theater in Vermont. Early two thousands. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that I was probably like 14, 15, and my brother was maybe 12 or so. And 2002. 2002. Wow. Okay, so my brother would have been 11 oh, and I would have been 14. Geez. And we just went by ourselves. And <laughs> I mean, I still think that movie's like very effective and, and very well done. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, in my top tier of like scary movies um, in terms of just like scares but still it's it's frightening genuinely but scary it's genuinely scary and it's 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 very well made but seeing it in that theater i think it was very heightened um by being there again with my little brother who had the scared out of him he was <laughs> dying his eyes were like bugging out of his head and he like he, he he's He's not the kind of person to typically like admit that like he's uncomfortable or something. But I just remember at one point he turned to me. He's like, "Can we leave?" 
Wow. <laughs> and me just being a dick, I was like, like no. I was like, no, <laughs> we're staying. Like, because I'm the kind of person who I'm more afraid of the unknown than mm-hmm. like I wouldn't have nightmares from watching that movie, but. If I don't watch the end and I can mm-hmm. fill in all yep. these gaps with my imagination, I'm going to be able to come up with something much more twisted and macabre than Gore Verbinski. So uh, I think in the end, um, that was definitely that was that was probably like the first like being in a movie theater and being very, very scared. OK. Um, more recently, Hereditary. I mean, yeah. I, not to not to spoil my my year endless, but that is still sitting pretty mm-hmm. um for my uh two thousand eighteen entries and um Tony I, Co- Tony Collette she's better get nominated. She, she won't. And which oh, sucks. Gosh. But like no chance. Like if if anything is going to get any love from a horror movie in two thousand eighteen I think we're looking at like Emily Blunt because she's campaigning and supporting category fraud. Um, <laughs> but she's more, I feel like that's that's something that the Academy would be like. So wait, which oh, for Emily Blunt in a... a Quiet Place. Yeah. And they're calling it supporting, which is how everyone is campaigning as supporting. Because apparently the, uh, it the, is alien, a the alien's a lead? I don't know. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but Hereditary hereditary scared the bejesus out of me. Like, I was legitimately very, very scared mm. in that, like, when I, I, I like to kind of rank uh, horror movie scares by, like, how many times, like, I get, like, literal chills running yeah. down my back. And, like, the 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 um, seance scene oh, just chills down unnerving and i think that there is something to be said about horror movies um when 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 they're able to use minimalism i always find it so much more uh potent and affecting for absolutely i think of like the conjuring is probably the one that i'd point to before that that like really really scared me and it's all just like really good acting and not showing yeah. What's going on? Like that seance scene is terrifying because of the character's genuine emotional reaction mm-hmm. to what they're seeing, seeing. <laughs> seeing what's going on and also being like, oh, my God, my mom's like at first it's like pivoting from like, oh, my God, my mom's losing her mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like watching this to all of a sudden, like Alex Wolf is like so scared. He's literally like his pants. And I, I just yeah, I, I, I that really scared me. And I just watched it again um, like last month. And again, just so many chills. I got so many chills. It gave me the chills. That so, was solid. Scared me a lot. Yeah. I'll admit it. Nice. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, that was the getting to know you section with Matt Oaks from Silver Screen Riot. Uh, now we'll go into a couple quick things in the geek news. Uh, first of which being Lewis Tan, a great actor, uh, is possibly rumored to be Batman in the new Titans TV show on DC Universe. Where would I know Lewis Tan from? Because that name is not ringing a bell. Um, not much. <laughs> uh, he was in Iron Fist season one. Uh, he was Iron in... Fist just got canceled, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Glad mean, he was in that. Deadpool 2 as Strife. Or not Strife. What's a uh, Strife? <laughs> Shatterstar. <laughs> okay. Um, I was thinking. I don't know what that is either. He was the one with the ponytail. Oh, he's one of the ones who like died yeah. real quick. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, I mean, 
Yeah, I'm looking through his stuff because I know him from, I mean, just as a martial arts fan, like he is a legit okay. martial artist. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting uh, direction to take for, for Batman. Yeah, to actually put somebody who yeah. knows what they could do. Granted, in Titans, we will probably never see him as Batman fighting, but physically, you know, he could look the party. He's a little bit young with how old they have made Dick Grayson in the show. Mm. But as an actor, like the guy is just solid. And he can actually do the stuff that these characters are right, supposed to be able to do. Need, like just tons of stunt doubles. No. And... and he teased this months ago on Twitter. Hmm. He was like, I'm at the DC offices working on a project, you know, to keep it secret. There have been like a couple pictures, which of course, geeks like me, they show a couple promo images. Geeks of the year, in fact. Oh, okay, right? thank you. <laughs> um, and like they showed a couple pictures and people like dissecting like from the back. They're like, well, it kind of looks like his ear and blah, like going deep. So that would be cool. Nerds, you got too much time on your hands. <laughs> Learn to weave, yeah. build a boat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I just I'm excited for that just because it would be interesting to get him something a little bit more high profile. Uh, because, yeah, he is somebody that deserves some more recognition. And even if he is never Batman in this show, like, he can still put that, like, I was Bruce Wayne Batman. Immediately you are in the lexicon of a select group of people who have done that. So is tight, and you have to excuse my 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 geekery, uh, which is woefully limited. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, but Titans, is is that one of the, the new shows on, like, DC's... Yes. Network yeah, thing? DC okay. Universe. Okay. Um, yeah, so it is the Teen Titans. Uh, so Robin, you have Raven, uh, Firestar, Beast Does Boy. Does she have that that so Raven theme song whenever okay. she comes on the screen? Okay. I don't even know what that is. No. I have a friend named Raven. Does that nice. count? Um, I was at, <laughs> this weekend. I was at the panel, uh, and there's a Raven on the panel. But yeah, so that should be. Are there any cool. Ravens listening? Put your hands up. Probably. <laughs> uh, the bit of geek news that. Uh, I think you would be interested in. Mm-hmm. So Andy Mus- Muschietti? Yeah. Yeah, sure. There Close it is. Yeah. Uh, the director of the recent It film. And the second one is coming out in a few months. Like they showed oh, pictures. Well, I was thinking they had to have wrapped already because we saw set pictures right. months ago. I Yeah. I, I would... You would think that they try and wait for October again because the first one did Gangbusters, but... I mean, it very well could because if we saw set photos a couple months ago... Finish it up. There hasn't edit. been any trailers. Or no, anything. no official picks. Yeah, it could yeah. be. They're probably shooting for like. It would make sense. Twenty nineteen yeah. October. Uh, so the director of it, Andy, uh, is signed on to do the live action adaptation of the manga slash anime Attack on Titan. Uh, which is this? I've heard of that. You and might I actually... know that you're an anime guy. Yes. You know, I I so I play music with some guys and they they put on some ma- manga. Anime, anime, <laughs> manga is the oh, is that's the, the written. Book. Okay, yeah. again, woefully <laughs> ignorant of my geeky, right? Geeky stuff. Um, but yeah, they put it on and they're like, "Oh, you should just watch this. Like, it's really cool." And like, literally after two minutes, I wanted to gouge my eyes out. I was like, "You guys wow. are such dorks. I'm so sorry." I just Attack on Titan. You might like because it yeah. is brutal um, okay. and scary. Like, huh? Yeah, I could recommend but, some horror anime to you that you might actually okay. dig. Because horror is actually a huge genre in anime. Hmm. I just feel like it's always like, you know, they're they're punching and wow. like wearing clothes. Uh, okay. So it's yeah. a lot. It's uh, a I, lot. I will recommend some stuff to you. But 
So they have good been, luck. They have good been luck. two live action adaptations of Attack on Titan before in Japan. Um, it is something that Japan does pretty frequently with their live action adaptations. Is they will kind of break it into two movies and release them a couple months apart. Mm. Each one being less than ninety minutes. So mm. kind of cool. But so they, this being Hollywood, they're going to be like. Oh, two, the, two and a half hours each. Oh, because we, we can't make movies that are less than two and a half hours. Oh, it's it's actually outlawed. Apparently, you'll you find. Would, yeah, you yeah, would yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah, it's a it's a new thing. So, so I'm definitely on board for that. I love the series. I read the manga. Hmm. Uh, he is a really great. I think he's director. proven himself as yeah. somebody who can take a large chunk of uh, lore and. Well, we've seen one half of what he can do. Yeah. You know, the 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 verdict is out on how he'll finish it up, but if if it part one is any indication, he can probably do pretty well with material like this. Yep. I'm sold already. So next bit. Uh the rumored Boba Fett movie that people have been talking about, oh, you know, for like thirty years. Uh, he should get his own movie, but it really started to ramp if, up. Yeah, if by talking about you mean complaining about, uh, or yeah. what they should be doing is complaining about it. Uh, yeah. So especially the past couple of years, they're like, we should really get a Boba Fett movie. There were talks about it. Uh, officially, uh, Kathy Kennedy was like, no, 100% yeah. we are not moving forward. I love that. And people got all upset, but it was like, guys. Do you John, really want this? Well, John Favreau is currently directing... A show, well, it's like, cre- a like mini series yeah, kind of called thing, right? The Mandalorian, mm. and that Nobody... is Boba Fett. No, totally no. different. Mm. But Boba Fett is a Mandalorian. He is. See, this is where my geeky there knowledge comes into play. But I know Star the Wars. The funny thing, like they could do Kyber a lot crystals. of. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they could go a few different, like interesting ways with it. Um, there was a, some expanded universe stuff where somebody came upon the Boba Fett armor and wore it, mm-hmm. and kind of just you know like that old gunslinger type thing where they're like. Oh crap! There's Boba Fett or uh, Dread Pirate Roberts type of thing, where it just became right. legend. It's like yeah, the mythos is is yeah. is the uh, m- bigger than the man itself. Yeah. yeah, well, which is crazy because Boba Fett, like, yes, there are some diehard fans. Watch those old movies. He, he doesn't sucks. do anything. He doesn't do anything. He, he gets whacked in the back and then yeah. he falls into like a giant sarlacc yeah, pit. Yeah, sarlacc pit. Which yeah. It was so ruined by the CGI and the special The tentacles. Oh yeah, that was, that was dumb. And the mouth. Just like yeah. leave it as like this gaping vaginal creature in the sand. That's really scary. <laughs> yeah. Siege 2000, circa 2000 CGI. Not scary. No. It, Not was, scary. it was dumb. So we are getting The Mandalorian for sure. It is already being shot. Uh, Bryce, <clears throat> Bryce Dallas Howard is actually going to be like directing an episode. Huh. So they're going to do like more of an anthology okay. type thing. Way more on board with that than a Boba Fett movie. I like, yeah. Honestly, I think that that Solo proved that filling in the backstory to beloved characters doesn't do much. Like, I, I, I was always against the Han Solo thing because Han Solo, he was literally my. uh, He is literally my favorite like movie character. Actually, well, a cross between. Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Like I was just about yes. to say Indiana Jones. Yes, Indiana Jones is cooler, but you know the swagger of Han Solo of course. cannot be understated. Um, but you take you take that mystique away when you do things like, "What's your last name?" I don't have a last name. Solo. So, like Ugh. I hate that shit <laughs> so much. It's just yeah. like, oh, why, why, why do people need this? Like, what is it? That fuels this incessant need to fill in gaps. 
Mm-hmm. Why do we need to to destroy mystery with like the lamest possible explanation? Like, yeah. can you imagine that writers' room where they're like, "Oh, like what? What if he just didn't have a name?" So, so they're like, "Oh, your name's Sola." I don't know why you get they're, a raise. they're talking like that. It's but, like they're, uh, they're in Kentucky all of a sudden yeah, yeah. on the ancient <laughs> planet of Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, yeah. So I'm 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 all for this. Like, I think. I think that there's a lot of potential with like kind of shifting the way that we tell Star Wars stories yeah. from like just a, a feature film to two stuff like um, limited series. And yeah. so well, it, it has been a lot of potential with the Clone Wars cartoon, which has been incredible for years. Mm. So you can do this expanded universe type stuff and it'd be compelling and interesting. I personally am kind of glad the Skywalker saga will be over after this last movie. Don't jinx it. (laughs) Give us more different stories. So I'm excited for that. See, I'm like, just give me a KOTOR movie and I will die happy. (sighs) Yes. Never going to happen. See, that's so good. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic was great. Dude. So good. Well, then you should get into Star Wars Rebels. Okay. I, I struggle with uh, the animation, animated shows. I can do my adult animation, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a big BoJack Horseman guy, right. Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. South Park when it's, you know, firing on all cylinders. Right. Um, but yeah, I just. Okay. That, that, is, that is fair. Yeah. That is fair. Um, last bit of news. This seems to be a growing trend that almost on every episode, I have a new bit of geek news having to do with musical theater, which makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> so today they just announced the cast for the new Fox live adaptation of mm. the movie or of the musical Rent. Oh, so they're doing like a, a live mm-hmm. Just like they've done, like they did one right. with Jesus Christ Superstar, right. uh, which is where John Legend finally got his EGOT. So they're doing a live action adaptation. Some These are kind of hit or miss because uh, they have been pumping these out the past they couple really years. Have. It's like two a year or yeah. something. But yeah. this one with Rent, Super excited. Mm. Um, I love Rent. I don't know if you can say you love Rent. Well, like, it, I, I do, but it is one. It is a movie it where... It is such a bummer. Yeah. It well, is similar not to like fun. Moulin Rouge. And you're like, oh, I want to watch this. I love the songs. You right. put it in. Ten minutes in, you're like, why am I watching Yeah, what have this? I done? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, I saw I saw Rent on Broadway oh. in like 2005. Okay. Just, oh, the revival cast then. I yeah. Well, I don't. The original was what like in the early nineties. Yeah. Something. I was like three. I think it would be pretty inappropriate for Meh. a three year old to to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just like bawled my eyes out, mm-hmm. and I was like with my girlfriend at the time. I was like, "Why did you do this to me?" Like, yeah. It is. It is a beautiful story. So I want to run down some of the cast members because that's like definitely. The darkest thing they'll have done is oh, like yeah. a, cause they're usually pretty fluffy and pretty light and like Jesus hey. Christ Superstar. As much as I love it, oh man, it is it it's just a lot of bubble gum. Yeah, but Rent, I mean, yeah, it, it is pretty deep and dark. Um, the cast is super diverse, which makes sense because weird takes place in New York City. Um, so the couple, couple key people that I wanted to mention, so Tanache, uh, as Mimi. She is this young new singer dancer. My issue, and she only has one name. She goes. Mi- by well, Mimi Rodriguez is the character that she will be playing. Tanache no, no, no. is Ta- yes. Tanache. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a one word. Yep. Hmm. So that that should be interesting. Those are very in. Uh, and that was one of my problems with the movie. Um, is as gorgeous, you know, as she was in the film. 
Uh, and I just totally am blanking on. Why am I blanking on her name? Oh my gosh! I couldn't tell. Oh, uh, Rosaria Dawson. Right, Rosaria Dawson. Was it gorgeous? Did you guys remember that? Good yes, for you. I haven't seen Rent since it came out in theaters. Nice. So she is gorgeous and amazing. She was still too pretty as Mimi. Mimi, yeah, like she goes from supposed to be a little, a little busted, a little busted. Because she, yeah, she has They're all a little songs. busted. I mean, they all have you know AIDS. So <laughs> right. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Alert. Sorry, sorry for ruining that for everyone. Um, it doesn't end well for many of them. A lot of them. And so even in the last movie, she goes like in the end when she is supposed to have been living like in Central Park and just been on the streets. She was still Rosario Dawson. It was like, you are still gorgeous. She still had like shaved armpits. It's like, where are you finding these <laughs> right. razors? So, but, uh, so yeah, Tanashi is going to be Mimi. Uh, Valentina from RuPaul's drag, drag Race is going to be Angel. Hmm. Great choice. Uh, for that, Angel is on my top three list of characters that I have always wanted to play on stage that I have yet to play on stage. Right. Aspirations. Um, I would love to play Angel. That would just be incredible. So yeah, the rest of the cast, I mean, it is a high bar. You know, to do something like this again, especially still pretty close. Like, uh, Adina Menzel, <laughs> when she played Maureen, that is going to be tough to beat. Sure. Um, yeah. But Vanessa she's Hudgens. She's got some pipes. Yeah, Vanessa Hudgens is going to be playing her. So, hmm. so I just, I'm all on board for this. Give me more movie musicals, as long as they're well produced. The live action TV ones. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I Quite honestly, I haven't watched any of these. Um and my, my cousin was uh, did production for one like two years ago, and, mm. and I was like, "That's awesome, dude!" But then I didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, no. I um, st- I still refuse to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show version they did. Oh, I, I refuse to watch it. I no, it means way too much to me for <laughs> for me to to watch that. I just yeah, any any of uh, <laughs> yeah. My, I, I there's so many things to watch. There there's is so many things to watch always, and like whenever I like catch up on everything that I've like supposed to watch, I feel so happy for myself. <laughs> I'm like I've done it. Like I just finished for uh, at least like two weeks. For oh no, like two hours. And mm, then it's fair. like it starts all over again. It just doesn't end. Yeah, it definitely. It yeah, we're we're spoiled. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited for Rent. Speaking of spoiled for choices, we got to get into these movie reviews. So the first one on the docket is one that I had a chance to go and see that, unfortunately, Matt was not able to. I had a, I had a chance, um, but it was, what was it? It was a Monday night, and um, yep. I was sitting there uh, with my wife, and we were we were eating, and we were watching The House on Haunted Hill. Oh, The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House, yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it should, it's such a confusing mouth, mouthful of words. <laughs> um, and it was like 5.45, and I ate like... Way too much soup. <laughs> How does somebody eat I, way too much soup? Oh man, I make the best soup, and like it was like now a, like stew or chili. Sure, no, but no, no, soup. No, okay, okay. So it was a it was a butternut soup, okay, like a, little, a butternut little bit thicker puree with, and then I had like pulled chicken in it, uh, okay. and uh, like green beans and sautéed mushrooms, and then some pomegranate seeds that I put oh, in there no. to kind of like add a little well, you textural fancy, huh? element. Oh yeah, I know my way around the kitchen, and so I'm eating eating this soup this like beefed up soup and i'm like really into haunting on hill house and i she's like she wanted to go see mid 90s and i wanted to see it but i was like 
nah. <laughs> like, she's like, do you want to go? And I'm like, no, I, I really don't want to move at all. So that's why I have nothing to contribute gotcha. because I was eating soup and watching Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so mid-90s, uh, yeah, definitely has been getting you know, a lot of press, made some good festival runs. It is the directorial debut. For the one and only Jonah Hill. The skinny version of Jonah Hill. His renaissance this past year with uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, Mm. with this, with Maniac. Like, he really is turning a corner and to try, trying to get away from, like, the super bad part of his career, which, I mean. He's got a lot of Oscar nominations Like, that is the thing is, like, people kind of forget that the past few years, he has been doing a lot of Wolf of Wall Street, he was killer. Yeah. That's, like, my favorite thing he's done. He's so good in that. So this is his directorial debut. He actually he wrote it as well. Uh, the story is about basically this group of young kids, you know, this group of skaters and Sonny, you know, who is played by or Sonny Stevie. Sonny is Sonny. <laughs> yeah, Stevie is played by Sonny Solchik, and he basically kind of gets not mixed in because that makes it sound negative. Like he happens upon skateboarding, and like gets in with this group of kids. Gets into the culture. This takes place in, I forget what year, like 94, 93. So around the, the mid-90s? Around the mid-90s. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mid, mid-ish yeah. 90s. I was trying yeah. to think if they actually made it specific. But yeah, definitely in the mid-90s. And his kind of journey, you know, through this skating culture and him kind of getting used to it. Uh, it also stars Lucas Hedges in like his fourth movie of the year. This kid stays busy. Uh, Boy Erased. Yeah, Boy Erased is coming out soon. Uh, he plays his older brother. Really what this movie boils down to is, yes, people can can look at it as a skater movie. It really is just about this kid's journey of trying to figure out who he is at, like, 12, 13 years old, which, again, like we saw with 8th grade this year, with The Hate You Give. Like Great they, movie. They're really kind of trying to not break down, but show these complex teenagers in movies that in ways that we just had not really seen well, before it, it is nice to to think of um like movies geared towards and is this rated r though yeah i think it oh, is yeah. yeah okay never so maybe it's not geared towards kids but like new no. uh i think like hate you give for example is a great like instance of like a uh, like young adult movie that's Absolutely. like hey like these don't have to all be about like sparkly vampires like these can have like serious like political messages and, yeah. and talk about serious issues but i again don't know about mid 90s i do have a question yes. about mid 90s for you um so i've heard uh a lot of comparison both positive and somewhat negative of like people being like oh this is like trying so hard to be like little boy uh ladybird Whoa. Where's Oof. your take on that? Uh, disagree. Okay. Um, I could see kind of where that comparison would come in because it is kind of this fish out of water type of situation where, you know, we see him going through his angsty times. We see him trying to fit in, but it is totally different. Um, one of the interesting choices that Jonah Hill made is that the majority of this movie is shot in 4.3 hmm. video format. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Like a so lot of like movies. A home video. Yeah. Like yeah, a lot okay. of movies were in the 90s. That was clever. Like, that was just one of those choices where when it opens like that, we see a lot of movies that open like that, and then by the time the title credits start, then it, like, pans out to 16 by 9. This stayed in 4.3. Oh, interesting. So that was an interesting just directorial choice, definitely. Um, So also, real quick, quick plug, uh, I was able to interview uh, four of the kids from the movie, four of the young actors 
in this movie. Uh, Sonny Solchik, Olin Pernat, Gio Galicio, and Ryder uh, McLaughlin. I thought, so, I thought he just had a first name, too. I did. I just think about yeah, that Yeah, my name's Ryder with a Y. <laughs> it is with a Y. I'm 13, and I chose my name myself. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so just, you know, this diverse group of kids, you know, a lot of, again, diverse representation, which is awesome, takes place in L.A. in the mid-90s. That was really good. And one of the things that I liked about it the most is that Sonny Stevie did not suddenly go from, like, in the beginning of the movie just learning how to skate and all awkward. And at the end of the movie, he's, he's a Tony pro Hawk. skater. He's not Tony Hawk by the end? No. Oh, my God. It's not even worth watching. And I love that because, like, even at the end of the movie, you still see him kind of struggling with stuff. Mm. That was great. Can he kickflip, though? You never see him kickflip. Oh, you really? You see him ollie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is kind of believable because when I was uh, in the <laughs> mid-90s right. um, and I got a skateboard because I wanted to be cool, uh, I- After I would... watching what, Thrashing? What was it? No, it was Thrashing <sighs> Rollerblades? Anyway. <laughs> I, uh, just like, you know, Jackass and all and all mm-hmm. that spinoff stuff. Like, I yeah, I had a skateboard and, and I rode it around fairly, dil- you know, through the neighborhood, but mm-hmm. I could never do a kickflip. I yeah. uh, never got to the point where I could even do a kickflip. I like ollied a couple times, and I'd like, you know, thought you were the coolest bang, bang, kid. My, bang my thighs up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was it. like, and I actually talked about that when I interviewed them. I asked them kind of what that feeling was like with the first trick that they landed, and so it was it was pretty cool. So that interview, yeah, we'll be dropping uh, this week. It was a really short uh, interview because they were only in town for a limited time, so just kind of it was pretty quick. Um, some other notes that I wrote down. It definitely had that 90s vibe to it. The soundtrack was incredible. A lot of mm-hmm. 90s hip-hop. Uh, Lucas Hedges as the older brother. That is kind of his his jam. Uh, so even though he is this you know white kid in L.A., really deep into hip-hop, that was nice. It was interesting. Like, it touches on like family abuse dynamics because his older brother is just mean. Mm. Like just flat-out mean and just beats him up more than once. And nice. Right, and it's just like, (laughs) and the mom, you know, she has a single mother, and I feel like it was reaching into a lot of places as opposed to sticking to a couple and really driving those home. So even though it was a little bit scattered, it was still well done. The other kids, and you will hear this in the interview, this is their first time uh, acting. So they're all just professional skaters. Skaters, yeah. Um. (laughs) So uh, a lot of them, they're part of the... Which are actually known for being very nice, very polite, very ruly young kids. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and a lot the of them so. are from the same kind of skate team, skate collective. Mm. So, but yeah, so we had an interesting conversation. Uh, as for the rating system on this podcast, if this is your first time listening because you're a huge fan of Mad Oaks and you just, you knew who's going to be on a podcast. Welcome, so you're like super fans. <laughs> right. Uh, there are only three choices. So as opposed to my esteemed colleagues. Yeah, this is really brutal. Uh, Your rating system is brutal. Because <laughs> there's you. times when I'm like, I'm listening to how you're breaking these down and I'm like, it doesn't, I can't put it in that box. Yeah, it, it is tough. But yeah, so yeah. no letter grades, no stars, three choices, good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something you would recommend. Bad is something you came out of the theater, not feeling like you wasted a couple hours, but not super hyped about it. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, with mid-90s, it did have some pacing issues, and I feel like Jonah was just kind of stretching his uh, 
directorial and writing prowess. And that's not great if an 84-minute movie has pacing issues. I mean, it was... That I just, is I just not feel a like, lot of film. Yeah, I just feel like they, they could have been a little bit tighter. Mm. Keep the I mean, like even if the runtime had been the same, just tighten some of the story elements up a little bit. We are supposed to feel and be empathetic towards these, you know, young kids in this movie who come from either broken homes or single family homes, single parent homes. But there are some of the characters where like they hint at it and it never really goes anywhere. So it was like, you can show us a little bit more. Mm. So uh, but yeah, so all of that said, my official rating for mid-90s, uh, it does get a good. So Nice. I enjoyed the film, uh, especially for a first-time director. Like, he did really well. It was shot really simply, which is good. <laughs> Just yeah. kind of know your parameters. Interesting choices as far as the 4.3 video format. So yeah, so mid-90s gets a good. And I am planning on checking this out to be, you know, a little bit of insider baseball on this, <laughs> right. like, uh, as as a member of some film critic societies, like, we can kind of anticipate oh, which yeah. screeners we're going to get. And I was like, I, I'm like 95% confident that I will have this in my in my hands and able to watch at my house in like in a couple in weeks. a couple weeks. Yeah. So do I really want to like fight traffic and go see an 84 minute movie? No. Yeah. But so, I will see it. It's yeah. on my hit list. Yeah, so definitely check it out. So that was mid-90s. The next film, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, how about you set this one up before okay. I go into all of my thoughts on it? So, um, as anyone who's heard the song Bohemian Rhapsody before, you know that this is clearly a, a biopic about uh, the band Fish. Um, oh, God, I hate fish. <laughs> fish is... Fish is uh, terrible. Fish is the worst. It Actually, uh, so my... Uh, my my wife's cousin is in a fish cover band and he mm. comes through Seattle and like plays like the same venue like all the time and like they literally just do fish and like no. they'll play for like three and a half hours. Oh he always, my god! He always invites so us. three songs. <laughs> no, actually, it's just one. Um, and so we'll always go and like we'll we'll just be up front. We're like, dude, like you're a really good musician, but but fish is awful. Yeah. Um, so li- now that I've now Eugene that I've Oregon. alienated all fish fans. <laughs> right. Um no, this is not about fish. This is about uh Queen and um more specifically about Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of it's a bit like an origin story of 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 Mercury and it kind of goes from his collegiate years and how he um joined up with the other members of the band and uh, basically, they snap their fingers and then they're famous. Um, yeah. And then they snap their fingers again and then they're more famous. And then, um, yeah, then there's a little bit of the, uh, the the illness stuff. But by and large, it's all pretty pretty poppy and a lot of mm-hmm. kind of sunshine and roses. And uh, I know that a lot of people uh, didn't like it because... Because of that, because it felt very superficial and 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 felt somewhat false to the spirit of uh, of what Freddie Mercury and Queen really represented. Right, and that was, I mean, this movie was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Oh, that was your mistake, right there. Uh, I've been looking forward to this movie for years. Mm. Uh, when Brian Singer first got canned, uh, like last year, yeah, they had like three weeks left to film. And I was like, if they shut down production because of this, because of Brian Singer, I was just going to be furious. Instead, they kind of cobbled together the writers and the producers just to finish out that last couple of weeks. Yeah, they got they got like some guy's like kid cousin. They're like, hey, do you know how to run a camera? He's like, sure, okie dokie. 
Pretty much. Right? Like, that's pretty um, much what happened. And that shows. This movie... A little bit. So, the three acts in this movie are so very different, and the pacing... Again, we talked about mid-90s. Well, if by different you mean, like, what haircut does he have? Right. Does he have a lot of hair, a medium amount of hair, or not as much hair? Yeah. yeah. And it was like, even in those sections, in those acts, the pacing was all over the place. Like you said... It was pretty much a snap your fingers, and we were five years ahead, and we were like, yeah. wait, you're a successful band being like, you Midwest, USA. You don't see a lot <laughs> of the uh, the struggle. Basically, no. Freddie Mercury's like, I'm a superstar, and then he is a is a superstar, yeah. and then he's a bigger superstar, and-, and Then he is the biggest superstar. Then he's the biggest superstar, and then there's the drugs, and there's the drinking, mm-hmm. and the rampant sex. Well, um, speaking of that, that was one of my- Biggest problems with this, so not enough rampant sex. Seriously, yeah. there, there was not because it shows him. There's a lot of like guys in black, like clad in black leather, like always kind of drifting in and mm-hmm. out of the scenes in the background. But that which is, is it. like hilarious. It just, if I feel like they just did not have the courage to really show what was going on, and they showed him. So you wanted to see full penetration? No, what I what I wanted to see was intimacy. Because we sh- we see intimacy with him and Mary, his best friend. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, we never see them having sex. We see them in bed, you know, just kind of naked, just being intimate in their space. We see him give two guys, like, a peck on the lips, and that is it. And so it feels like right when we were about to, like, go down some of the stuff. Because, like you said, this was just kind of sugary, kind of poppy. It's very sugary, yeah. And, it, like, when it would start to go to a dark place, me, knowing the story, I'm a huge Queen fan, huge Freddie Mercury fan. I was like... And, oh, no, then they cut to a different scene. And so, again, it is, it is not even about showing the sex. It is about showing intimacy. I mean, full penetration really would have drove this to a different place. So I, let's uh, be honest. An NC-17 place, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it just, like, down. it was just weird. And you see drugs around him, mm. but never really how much it was affecting him and his life. Here's 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 my counterbalance to that is, like, We've seen that version of this movie so many times, and I I didn't need to see yet another, like, oh, look at how success has transformed. You're not the same, Freddie. You're not the same. And, and he's doing drugs, and, oh, your, your drugs are ruining your career, and you're mute. Like, we've seen that literally Every single time, a musical biopic. Right. Literally every single time. And I I kind of appreciated how this movie was like, it made it a footnote. And on the one hand, is that the right choice for a Queen and Freddie Mercury movie? Probably not. Right. But in terms of just like giving me another musical biopic, I don't want to see that again. I've seen it so many right. times. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that, that comparison is fair, but I do think with Queen, you know, it, there needed to be not again, not a lot, but just something not so surface level. Like everything, the first word that came to my mind was safe. It's very safe, and that bothered me. And like, and these were things that when Sasha Baron Cohen was first, you know, talking about doing this, like, that would have been gritty. four years ago. Yeah. He is not afraid to do anything, <laughs> but. And he even talked he about Dick this. Dick Cheney signed a waterboarding kit, so. <laughs> like, and he talked about this years ago. When he, the reason he backed out is because of the band's right, involvement. Right, And they were like, no, but we want to show the music. And he was like, sure, I can do that. 
we need to show more. And they're like, nope. So he bounced. Well, and so originally uh, the band had been pushing for um, the, the, the movie itself to be not so much of uh, of putting Freddie Mercury in the yeah, spotlight. That would be like, like the first the act. original script. Yeah, they wanted like him to die in the first act, and then like what happens to the the three remaining members? It's like nobody wants nobody to cares. see that movie. And spoiler alert: that is not this movie. Yes, thank God. Yeah, so thank th- God. that at least you know was a saving grace with it. The other thing is Rami Malek. He's so good. Is spectacular. He's so good. <laughs> and he, and so he, many teeth. <laughs> so many so teeth. toothy and he it took years for him to kind of because when he was filming mr robot he talked about this on either kimmel or somebody else when they would be done filming for the day of mr robot he would put in the dentures and just talk oh, and just man. practice oh because it takes a lot freddie had a very unique speech pattern had a very unique i mean one of the most unique and stunning vocal ranges of any rock star because of the extra four incisors as he would say yes and that was, I mean, so yes, Rami is fantastic. I had a couple issues, though. One, as good as he is, he was never given a chance to actually sing. Right. Literally it's all every a, time. a combination of actual archival yep. song and then like an impersonator and Rami Malek. Yeah, like yeah. it is just, so he would be at the piano giving this great scene and this monologue. He would sit down at the piano, start playing, whether it was actually him or somebody else, does not matter. And he would get into the mic. As soon as he would open his mouth, it was a recording of Queen. Mm. And it immediately was just jarring. And I was like, come on, man. Like, at least give him a shot. And I yeah. get it. But, but do we really want to hear Rami Malek sing? Part no, of it, let me hear Freddie Mercury. But at the, at the same time, like, I think if they had done some stuff in, like, the beginning of his career. Yeah, where it's a little rougher. Yeah, because edges, that yeah. way we all know what Freddie Mercury sounds like. So we have, right. if we had heard Rami, we would be like, all right, cool. Like, if I want to hear the real thing, I can hear the real thing. I just think it was just an unfair choice. Right. Yeah, I think I think, I think you're right. But on the flip side, there's a reason why Rami Malek doesn't have a hit single. <laughs> um, right. He's not Bradley so, Cooper. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, but, like, if you're doing a Freddie Mercury movie, like, you can't have, like, subpar vocals and i don't again like we don't we weren't really given the opportunity to judge Mm -hmm. but i feel pretty confident in saying that yeah like he wouldn't have measured up like who can measure up freddie mercury he it really is tough because there it is rare that a musical biopic is able to nail that jamie fox as ray fantastic so much so that he put out an album but he's a singer right he is a singer as well joaquin phoenix walk the line i was impressed with that this it just it feels like they just not even give him a chance, right? Which was a little bit unfair. I get the reasoning, but I was like, like Rami, I've been a huge fan of his for years, and I was hoping this would be the vehicle that would really drive him in the public eye. His performance is so spot on in yeah, so many, great. especially the third act when he has the shorter hair and the mustache. It's, the, it's the, pretty the, uncanny. The silhouettes of him, even though yeah. he is significantly smaller, like in stature. Freddie Mercury was like five inches taller than Rami. Uh, he was he was a pretty big guy. <laughs> Rami... You know, and even even though they don't 
let him, you know, do 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 his own vocals necessarily or like really like put that into focus. Mm-hmm. I think what he really nails is like the showmanship. You Absolutely. know, like he is he is like uh, a ringleader at the circus, like mm-hmm. and he really kind of captures that that element and and that was what to me made this movie so fun. Like yeah. I I am fully able to acknowledge that it 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 felt safe, it felt sterile. Um and yet I was like tapping my toe the whole time. I was bobbing yep. my head. I was rocking along to it. I, 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 I acknowledge the, the, the problems with it, but I also really enjoyed just kind of letting myself go and like being like, Oh look, I'm like hanging out with Freddie Mercury while he like learns how to record in the studio by banging on the tambourine while it's underwater <laughs> right. or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that his performance is, is the, the 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 magic that that movie needs yeah. does does it live up to his performance no but i think that he does enough in it to make it like really enjoyable and like we said earlier like sugary like it's kind of that sugary sweet snack like you know it's not great but it's like it's so delicious and i and yeah i think that was a benefit and a downfall is that he was so good i just wish the movie had been at the same level he totally. was the whole time because yeah. the three acts feel like three different movies there are weird things that they do in each act that they only do in that one act right like mike myers being there and then being oh, so weird <laughs> but it was one thing when like when they were recording bohemian rhapsody and you have this shadowy scene the famous album cover the mm-hmm. famous video and it shows these quotes from magazines that were coming out at the that time was a cool stylistic choice great stylistic choice yeah. basically saying this music is weird this music kind of sucks blah blah it didn't connect did not connect and we in our generation he was already legendary status when he was first coming out and doing these different things. People were not always fans. So it showed that real life connection. Right. And we never saw that again. It was like, yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that was just kind of weird. Um, the live aid set piece at the end of the movie, um, which I mean, you can go on YouTube and watch the entire, not just his portion, the entire sure. live aid concert. Yeah. Just watch that. Don't but, show us 20 minutes of it. Which that was just so weird. It was so long. Like, yeah. Here's the thing. I get, I get showing us a couple tunes, mm-hmm. but Radio Gaga and Hammer to Fall. Like, why did we need those songs? Like, mm-hmm. you're closing out the movie with like a couple of like their 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 least potent hits. Like, yeah. Why? And why? And the other so thing bizarre. that bothered me with that is. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's hard to spoil a biopic, especially one about Freddie Mercury, who most people know a lot about. What I wanted to see, and again, we already talked about it being safe. Show the Live Aid set when he was already very sick. Then show him sick. Like, show him really struggling. And maybe not, you know, you don't need to show us, like, The Great Pretender, you know, or one of those, like, later songs. But give us something. Like, we know the legend. Ending with the legend and not being the brave human. enough to yeah. be like, no, he like those last that last year of his life was brutal. I mean, to the fact that he only announced that he had AIDS literally the day before he died. Damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. it was just like one of those things where show us more of the person and not just the legend. Right. They did a good job of that in the beginning. I especially liked showing his Middle Eastern origins. Yeah, yeah. Like People forget, well... Fashion designer, college <laughs> degree, like that. Like, and some people either do not know or forgot that... So he was Indian. 
Like I did not know that. Yeah, and I was His like, really I was really root. kind of yeah, I was kind yeah. of thrown off by that at first. So. so I loved that they actually were brave enough to show that. I just wish that they had been brave enough in. Should have been a little gayer. Yeah, should have yeah, been a little absolutely. Gayer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of uh, my my thoughts on that. So to the official rating. Yeah. What do you give it? Um, so I, I even though even though I think that this has issues, I think just as a piece of popcorn entertainment led by a knockout performance by Rami Malek, and uh, with as far as as far as I'm concerned, um, the best song selection of any musical biopic that I've seen, at least like I, I would I, agree with that. I would, I'll listen to Queen over. Ray Charles and uh, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, and, yeah. or whatever, like any day of the week. Mm-hmm. I listen to Queen all the time. I love Queen. Queen's yep. fantastic, and just like there was like a good thirty minutes of Queen music in this. Oh, um, easily. It's much too long. Uh, they could have cut out <laughs> yeah. probably a good chunk of that. But like, I just found this a really easy watch. Um, and not that that's necessarily a good thing, but I just enjoyed myself. Um, so official it's, rating. It's imperfect. Uh, official rating. I'm giving it a good. I'm okay. going good. Um, oof. When I'm see with, it in the theaters, right? That's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a theater when, movie. When we first came out of the screening, I think I was still just kind of reeling from it because I was just kind of upset that they, the way that they ended it, and we get these little like title cards of like, "This is what actually happened." I was like, "Show the real picture. Show the real video. Right. Like, show the man behind this." So my initial rating was not as kind. The more I thought about it, even the time that we have spent talking about it. Rami is way too good for this to be a bad. So this gets a good. Yeah. Uh, the music well is incredible. Yeah. The band definitely had a lot of influence on yeah, on the script choices. They're like, let's make everyone a hero. Seriously. And it was like, <laughs> oh, I made this song. Yeah. I made this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made this song. Oh, they like, made a very good point of telling us exactly who did what yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, definitely two goods for us for Bohemian Rhapsody. All right, next. Uh, is another movie that uh, Matt chose not to watch on this one. This is What They Had, uh, starring Hilary Swank, uh, Michael Shannon, Robert Forster, Blythe Danner, Taysa Farmiga, a whole bunch of people who are clamoring for awards. Yeah, I just wasn't in the mood for a, like, give me the Oscar kind of movie. This, yeah. uh, uh, another insider baseball thing, played right after Suspiria, which was two and a half grueling hours. Yeah. Um, so, and I wasn't planning on, on going to it either way. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a big ask doing yeah. like a long movie and then another long oh, movie. Oh, I know. If I'm like in film festival mode, it's totally different. Sure. This was like a Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, let I me, know. Let I, me eat I, dinner I was, at home. and <laughs> I was there for both. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this movie, what they had, uh, this is the synopsis. It is one sentence on IMDb. Bridget, Hilary Swank, returns home at her brother's urging, Michael Shannon, to deal with her ailing mother and her father's reluctance to let go of their life together. What it does not say, this is an Alzheimer's movie. Oh, God. This See, is a movie that uh, is one of those ones where this movie knows exactly what buttons to push and win, and it plays it the entire time. All of us, not all of us, a lot of us have had to deal with either a family member or a friend or somebody at church or something who had dementia or Alzheimer's. We, we have those stories. This film is like, hey, remember that story? Remember yeah. how you felt? Remember right. crying at night? And it was like, ugh. See, I, I, I struggle with uh, what I call disease dramas. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. Because... 
I think that they're often set up to be like fantastic acting showcases and you often get like some phenomenal performances, sure. you know, stuff like like Dallas Buyers Club and Oof. and uh but I, I think like what you say where it's like prodding you and probably like, are you going to cry? Are you going to cry now? Are you going to cry now? <laughs> like, I don't, that's not why I want <laughs> right. to go to the movies. Like, yeah. I don't want to think about like inevitably getting cancer and like everyone I know dying. <laughs> right. Like, uh, it's just a lot. And so, yeah, I, I definitely tend to kind of skirt away from, uh, from these disease dramas. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was very sweet. It was very well done. Alzheimer's film. But that is what it was. I mean, it was an Alzheimer's film that was just a showcase to show the actors and how they can make you feel. We're all pretending we're sad because Mama has Alzheimer's. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. What a bummer. Um, There is a beautiful line in the movie, and I won't say who says it. Um, because Yeah, I mean, it, it's supposed to mean there's, there's actually some interesting script choices in this, but the line is... Does the mom become a zombie? That would be amazing. I, that if like if you switch from like a disease drama to like in the last act, it's like a she comes back. Like that's mm. what what they had. That would be an episode yeah. of The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, but yeah, so the line, and this has to do with Alzheimer's. Like I said, it said this was. Uh, let me see. This was the perfect time. Any later, and I would not remember them, and any earlier, and I would have missed them too much. So that line, I bet it's the mom who has Alzheimer's who says that. <laughs> who knows? But it just—it was. I'm taking my contextual clues. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I I got choked up a couple times because again, that was the point. The that intention. was the intention. It got you. Uh, Michael Shannon is just great. I love that guy. He's so weird. He's just—he's so weird. And in this, there's a lot of stuff that is said. I'm trying to think how to phrase this. A lot of things are said in minimal dialogue. There's a great scene between him and his dad where they do not get along this whole movie, blah, blah. They exchange like five words with each other. But the way it is shot, the performances, 30 minutes of dialogue was said in that five lines. Mm. So the performances good were... good acting. Yeah, yeah. Like performances were all great. But it's acting with like a capital A, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Acting! Um, yeah. Swank is probably going to get some attention again. Uh, she is solid in this. Um, it deals a lot with Catholicism and what that means and marrying, you know, the good man. And, well, why would you get divorced? Just stick it out and this is what you do. And uh, Catholicism and disease. Whoa, fun. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sounds also, like a blast. Uh, and it had a post credit scene. Oh, good. Which was interesting. But it was by the... Speaking of epilogues. It was from the director, uh, Elizabeth Chomko, or Chomko, however that is pronounced, who talked about how her grandma suffered with Alzheimer's for 16 years. It was basically... It was not even it's a, a, a post credit. Yeah, it was not even a post credit it was a commercial. Oh, so this is like the director coming out and speaking to the audience? It was, No, no. It was, a, okay. it was on screen, but on the bottom it was like, you can call for Alzheimer's right. research, blah, yeah. blah. And it was like, wait, is this a telethon? Yeah, are people only coming to this like, if they like know people with Alzheimer's? <laughs> who like, It's like a how-to manual, like it Alzheimer's for dummies. It was weird. Okay. I liked the message because it personalized it right away. Right. It was like, this is why she wanted to make it. But having like at the bottom... Being like Alzheimer's research fun, and blah, you know and what like, the most ironic thing is? Everyone with Alzheimer's who watches that is going to forget. They're going to forget. Yeah. They won't remember that number. And it does post credit scene. Like, why 
it, it was just did it, was it a weird tease choice. like did it tease like a an extended universe back. and like <laughs> it's like she gangs up with someone with AIDS. She gangs up with uh, Freddie Mercury. Ooh, oh. there you go, crossover. Who? Okay, what else? Um, we'll have to spitball this one. Yeah. So overall, like the performances are great. Very I mean, again, just it just poked you, it prodded you, it knew what it was doing the whole time. Uh, my official rating for what they had. I mean, I, I will give it a good because the performances a were good. good a reluctant seems. good mm. because the performances were good. It was just seems like your 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 category should have a little nope. more nuance nope. in them, John. <laughs> I'm, I could not give this a bad because the performances right. were were not bad. It just the movie, it just it was saccharine. You know what it, it is. A hundred. You know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Within the okay, first. I'm glad you're saying this because this is exactly what why you I chose thought not to. <laughs> when I saw it. I was like, do do I really want to like well, force myself to be bad and be like, well, good job acting. And sad. it is Bleecker Street. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they did Disobedience this year, Colette. You will probably get Other something in the mail. I've skipped. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty soon. So, yeah, what they had uh, gets a good. Uh, now, a movie that I really, this is a movie that I need more people to see this so I can talk to more people about it. The film is Suspiria. Before you go into the new movie, I, I lose some film credit, film critic points. I have not seen the original trilogy. Trilogy. Apparently, they are connected. Sarah was saying that there are three movies that. Oh, that, I think no, don't. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I think that Sarah would be somebody who would say this. Truly, it's there's there's yeah, it's an original. I think maybe thematically. Gotcha. Trilogy, okay, but it's not so, like one leads into the events gotcha. of the other leads into the. Events okay, so other. Suspiria. Tell me kind of about the the original before we get into this new one. Yeah. So the original, it's it's. It's much the same in terms of like its very most basic components, which is okay. that a girl um, goes to a uh, a ballet school, a company, a very mm-hmm. prestigious one, um, and an American girl goes to a European. Yeah, ballet I don't. School. Uh, it's probably Berlin. I don't. I don't really remember the the, okay. the city or, or or whatever. But uh, so she goes and. Um, Again, it's kind of there's something going on. A girl like has killed herself um, and she starts noticing like, hmm, like things are kind of weird. <laughs> there's the uh, the coven of witches is is brewing things up. You know, mm-hmm. the dance company is a front for for this coven. But what makes the Dario Argento version stick mm-hmm. and hat and 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 has been such like a cultural touchstone throughout you know the the 30 plus years that it's been out for 40 40 plus years it is yeah 1977 wow um is the fact that like the entire film it's like it's like a a, a visual and audio poem like it's Hmm. just like a punch in the face the whole time like it's so psychedelic and hallucinogenic and the 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 color scheme is like just insane and like all these like bright primary pops of color and i heard Uh, the soundtrack is kind of legendary the score is unbelievable goblin did it and it's like it's like this breathy like primal scream mixed with like this like crazy xylophone it's i love it i like i i played it at my halloween party it was on my halloween playlist Um, (laughs) of course uh but it's just the the whole thing is it's just phantasmic it it just has like this energy and it's and it's like 
it's not where whereas with this recent one, like you know what's happening basically from from square one. Like they don't I mean, yeah, I they don't I had really obscure idea. the yeah. fact that it's a coven of witches. It's much more obscured yeah. in the original. Okay. Like you're kind of like piecing things together. Um it's more mysterious. I I I really, 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 really like the original. Because yeah, I asked you before our screening started what type of horror this was because I had not seen the original. And I was like, is this going to be like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Is this going to yeah. be... And you were like, oh, it's more hallucinogenic horror. So I was like, cool. Yeah, I was like, it, I, I'm in for that. It's it's like, yeah, like like a psychedelic horror, like which this remake is... I, 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 I don't even know how you categorize this. Like, uh, it, uh, it's nightmarish. It is for, nightmarish. Uh, for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. One of which being that uh, it's really painful to sit through um spoiler yep okay so uh so that was kind of the original um the new one uh people might know the director <laughs> luca oh boy yeah good luck Guadri- Guara- Guadar- Nino. Nino. Perfect. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's a- oh he's italian oh <laughs> yeah. if i had known he was italian then yeah um so yeah, he did Call Me By Your Name last year, which of course got a bunch of attention. Uh, he has worked with Tilda Swinton before in a movie called The Protagonists, which I have not seen, but I saw it on his IMDb page right now. That counts. Um, so the new film, Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, and a bunch of other random people. So Tilda Swinton plays uh, three roles in this as well. Did you catch... Is that a... So she, the the, the German psych, psychiatrist... Is that, is that a spoiler though? Uh, no, because it's on the IMDb. Oh, page. oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, okay, if, yeah, yeah. If, if you look it up, like it's she's credited as somebody yes. else, like in the trailer and stuff. But you know, anyone pulling up that IMDb, right. and it's not like it actually has any implication on the movie. Nope. It's just like zero. It's just like oh, I just thought that that was. And honestly, I've seen a lot of people praise her and like, oh my god, she's incredible. And all I thought the whole time, I was like, this old man is like overacting like crate. Like I don't get. Yeah. Like this is a terrible performance. Is what I thought. I, I thought it was really really bad. From the I'm just like, oh. first, from the first okay, it's instance, just Tilda Swinton. Yeah, from the first instance that we see, uh, Doctor Joseph Klemperer. Klemperer. Uh, I was like, uh, that Something's is off. that is not an old man. No, it was, it was uh, something was off. And I was, either it was because it was his skin was too smooth for being as old as he was supposed to be. Like right away, I was like, this is not. Well, and so what is interesting is, yeah, so I pulled up her IMDb. So uh, Tilda Swinton plays Madame Blanc, Dr. Josef Klemperer, Helena Marcos, and then in parentheses, as Lutz Eberstorf. So like how many roles and how many different yeah. names and people? But anyway, so this new one, after kind of that, you know, what you told me about the original, follows some of those same things. Mm-hmm. Girl from Ohio, goes to this prestigious academy in Berlin in the 80s because it is still the Berlin, like the Berlin Wall yeah, is yeah, up, yeah. East Berlin, West Berlin. Yeah, I think it takes place in 1977, just like the original. Oh, oh okay. I believe oh, that so. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Johnson. She's I've, fine. I've said this before. She is not good. You know what she is? <laughs> she is the daughter of an actress. And it shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how she got into Hollywood, you know. Man. Classic shoe-in. Because at first, like the Fifty Shades movies, you could put any actress in there. Sure. Those movies are still terrible. Like the script is is the same. So I was like, okay, see what she could do outside of that. I've seen a couple other things, but man, she is rough. I don't think she's terrible in this. I really don't. I I, I think that uh, there's not a ton asked from her. 
Um, okay. And it's a very physical performance, but... If she were actually doing it, which she is not. Oh, she's not? Oh, there are oh, so God. many stunt right. doubles in this. All right, all right. She did some of it, and I will give her credit, because, I mean, in one of my former lives, you know, I worked for a ballet company, mm. so I... I mean, yeah, so I can... You know, see, right, notice you can some, notice some of that. If somebody's like, if their if their face is is in profile, and you can be like, uh, oh, this is clearly an obscuring shot, so that they can slip a stunt double in here. That and a lot of the turns that she does, there was just some kind of like mapping done mm, on her okay. on her face. Yeah. Uh, that that said, the choreography in this is really cool. Really cool. Uh, really cool. Like modern slash interpretive. The hard part is, I still know a bunch of dancers. Um, of all like ballet companies, modern, improv, all of that. And I would love for them to see the dance in this. Yeah. But there is no way they would make it through the movie. No. And so I'm like, okay, in a couple months, maybe less, this is going to be get, available. Get it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And just cut those parts. Because right. I really want to show this to people, certain parts, because the dancing is great. Again, like the layering of the characters that we we're supposed to immediately care for was just odd. I I just I so and I think you're partially right about Dakota Fanning like just not Johnson. Con- Dakota Johnson. Thank you. Dakota not, Fanning actually is pretty good. She, yeah, she's great. Um she just like nothing really carried through for yeah. me. Like I I never felt like there were layers to her character and like there's some big turns that that take place mm-hmm. that I mean she's, you know, the 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 pretty much central character and yet you're always kind of detached from her and yeah. it just felt really hollow really and i think yep. that that's more a symptom of 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 the filmmaking itself i just think that this is a movie that pretends to be you know super deep and very artistic mm-hmm. and with so much to say and there's so much political undercurrents racing through it but like Why? then you then you take a shovel to it and it's like it's six inches hollow like yeah. there's there's nothing underneath all that subterfuge yep. of complexity and depth yeah there was even so you hear the radio quite a bit in this. Yeah. And they're talking about like an actual hijacking. The, the, the Iran hostage situation like is constantly right. playing in the background. For what reason? None. For what reason? And again, if, it's it's just, again, it's pretending yeah. at depth. And th- that was just, that was evident. Um, the way it was physically shot, like the way it was actually shot was really cool. There were some nice angles. The, There's some great scenes. The cuts in it, like when it would go into the quote that I gave after the screening, I said that it was captivating in its depravity because mm. there is some brutal, disgusting, oh yeah, imagery. Yeah, but, but it takes. But by the time <laughs> you're there, you're so detached yeah. and you're so frustrated and so annoyed that, you, like, I, I like just kind of dismiss it like yeah. out of hand. Like there are oh, there are some scenes about that. like. Oh so, yeah, some of the other stuff. Where oh yeah, just like the, the 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 dance scene, the the one dance scene, like in the first act, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Like yeah. I, I I loved that. I thought it was perfectly staged. Yeah. it was really compelling and like you're mysterious. And then it's like uh, okay, like <laughs> then you have to wait another hour and a half oh, for for anything else to happen. Oh, and we haven't brought up the Holocaust because that plays what? a big role. It, Cause why? Why, John? Why is the Holocaust a big player in this? <laughs> Again, that plus like the Seven Days in Entebbe type storyline, 
Why? Just, no. If it had focused on the dance school and weird things happening at the dance school, yeah. cool. Yeah, great. Solid. You have so many different layers. But like you said, those layers do not add up no. to anything. They're no. just paper thin. Uh, one of the other notes I put down was that, you know, it, creepy design of mm. a lot of things to the point where there is a hmm, a picture frame, I will say, that we see in in a scene. And I think I know the one, if you know the one I'm talking about, where yeah. the picture frame itself is disgusting and whatever. And they keep kind of zooming in in a way where I was waiting for the picture to do something. Right. But instead, like yeah. with a lot of it, right. it just zooms in and then nothing. And then it's like, don't you get it? So I it's feel like, like no. this, this movie is is very much the equivalent of The Emperor's New Clothes, where mm. it's presenting itself as something like resplendent and gorgeous and like so, so rich and full of, of meaning. And yet, if, 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 if you're me, you're looking at it, you're like, no, it's just like a bunch of naked people writhing around. Like there's yeah. nothing there. Nope. And I feel like uh, a lot of the... Or the critical response has been very divisive, but you yes. have people coming out and calling this a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they've been duped. Wow. I, yeah. I, I honestly like I maybe they fell for it. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I feel like this is the kind of movie that you have to pour so much of your own like bias into 100%. and like be like, oh well, call me by your name was a master. I also I I'm one well, of the few take. who did not <laughs> like call you by my call me by, call your, me name. by your name. I thought again that it was just kind of excessive and like, why is this two and a half hours? Which yeah. it's worth noting, Suspiria is two and a half two and a half hours. Yeah. And it's an adaptation of the nineteen seventy seven version, which is like 90 odd minutes really it's an hour of extra oh, film man. with literally no more content that literally is, no more except you know me. all the holocaust and iran hostage stuff in right. the background. which again is just bizarre choices um <sighs> the creature design when we actually see some different uh design really was, cool it was really cool even though it was absolutely disgusting very macabre very like <laughs> nightmarish yeah and I, the, like the nightmarish scenes, I found more scary and interesting than the kind of reveal, than the big third act thing. Some of those it interior didn't really cuts. really work for me. Yeah, those interior cuts when she is having a nightmare and is like mm-hmm. showing these like creepy flashes. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. And, oh, wait, no, we're back to being boring. Yeah, oh, wait, this actually <laughs> isn't going to connect with anything or. Nothing. Yeah. So, pretty weird. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> Suspiria. Uh, which I came into it without any context of. Um, I will give my rating first because I had no context Do coming it. in. Um, I wish people could see 25 minutes of this movie. Because I I want people to see certain parts of this. That said, I need more people to see this because I need to talk to people about it. To see if I'm missing something. To see if I'm not smart enough for the movie. If it connects to other things. There is a post credit scene. There uh, is? Yeah, that that we. Did I will you t- stick I will, around for. Yeah, it? I will tell you about it off oh mic because I was putting notes in my phone okay. and I was like, yeah, it was me and Sarah and she was like, John, look, and I look up and I was like, what? What? So I will tell you about it off mic. But, oh God. Uh, my official rating is ugly. Yeah. This is this is avoid at all cost unless for whatever reason you. Actually, no. I'm not even going to give a disclaimer. This to me is just this is an ugly. 
Mm-hmm. Just avoid. What about you? Yeah, and so I I think I came from this from a very different angle yes. where like I have a love and appreciation for the the Dario Argento movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I was stoked on this. Like I as as you I were, said, you were really I had hyped. seen a lot of people calling this a masterpiece. And so like on my on my Facebook profile page for for silver screen riot i like every every like two or three months i'll change the um like the cover photo Mm -hmm. for like the movie that i'm anticipating most for the next couple months and for for two and a half months it was suspiria yeah and like that that speaks to like how much i was like stoked to see this movie and for me it was a crushing brutal disappointment Mm -hmm. um i felt like the movie was it was the 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 cinematic equivalent of of pulling teeth and then being told that i'm actually like being given candy like Mm -hmm. it's it was so don't you understand how good this is yank it was so pretentious Mm -hmm. and uh just a chore it felt like yep. a chore, and I just I I checked my watch in that last hour. Oh, like, I remember, <laughs> like every ten minutes, I was like, "This cannot still be going on." It reminded and, me the last movie that was like that was Transformers: The Last Night. Oh man! Where as it was happening, yeah. like Tim is sitting it's next to me, wreck. and and like a big action set piece happened, and and he looked over and he he was like, "Man, how long is this?" So like we still have an hour and a half left, right. and he was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and I it did for me like the first first 40 minutes or so are like pretty pretty compelling i was like yeah i was kind of i was like oh, this it was, really it was captivating like up. it was shot interesting but man by the time we're at the end like and 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 just like just to pick out a single scene like the last scene of the movie i think is perfectly emblematic of everything that i dislike about this movie where it's like mm. trying to trying to like dupe you into thinking like but but what about this and like really i it's just like why yeah. Why? What does this mean? What are you positing? What am I supposed to take from this? I think it's a bunch of bullshit. So uh, this this movie for me is very much in the in the ugly category, which wow. hurts. It hurts. Yeah, that sucks. It hurts. Because again, I had no it you I had no uh, anticipation going into this. Right. That that sucks to hear from you because I, mean, I know how much excited, and I how I think you were. I was telling you before the screening like art house horror is my favorite genre. Yeah. And it's things like this which make me be like, oh, God. I made a terrible mistake. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah, so yeah so uh, gets two, two uglies. Uh, real quick, actually, because we actually just came out of a screening tonight that I checked, and there's not an embargo on. Mm. So we will shove in a little bonus content. Bonus. Uh, the last review of the episode is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which is the Melissa McCarthy drama, uh, biography, biopic, uh, which was kind of being hailed as Melissa McCarthy's turn to drama. Um, now it was still funny. Yeah. Like, and it was like... I know. I, I kind of went in thinking like, oh, like, this is going to be like her really flexing a different yeah. muscle. Nope. It's not really. It's, it starts It's funny nice to see her funny. not like pooping her pants or like falling off <laughs> right. a motorcycle onto a cat. But right. it's, it's very much within her comfort zone and like very in much. her established wheelhouse. So... It's a fine performance, but for me, when I'm tacking up my SFCS ballots and doing my top five, like, uh, yeah, no. Uh, the description of this movie, because uh, yeah, we just got out of it like an hour ago, when Lee Israel falls out of step with current tastes, uh, she is an author, by the way, does not mention that, it's she turns noting. her yeah. art form to deception, an adaptation of the memoir, Can You Ever Forgive Me? The True Story of best-selling celebrity biographer Lee Israel 
I had no idea who that person was no. going into this. Zero context. Um, and of course, being that this is a Melissa McCarthy movie, her husband is in it. Uh, he was one of the, oh, the book the, one of the bookshop owners. Oh, he's this he's a slimy bookshop yep. guy. Oh, okay, okay. That okay. was really cool. I like that they do that with each other. It's like that. That is clever. Uh, so yeah, Melissa I McCarthy. I don't like uh, much that they do together because primarily what they're known for is making terrible movies together. <laughs> like, <laughs> ben Ben Falcone, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, Ben Falcone. Uh, it basically is is a is a is a drama which really only focuses on Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant as Jack Hawk. It's basically a New Yorker article, the movie. Wow. Right? That actually is very Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's more literally about like it. like uh uh a heady, it's, it's a heady so drama. it's so progressive liberal. Like this is like the the thing that NPR will be talking about all next month. Oh god, guaranteed. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean her her deception in the movie is she initially finds a letter in a library book of a historical person and she is out of work. She just got fired as this writer. So she decides to start forging documents. A bunch know? of a bunch of authors that I had never heard of. Personally. Nope. <laughs> Literally none of them. Nobody. And all like these books, bookshop people are like, oh my God, it's, I can't <laughs> even remember because I, <laughs> <laughs> and like, they're they're like losing their minds, and I'm like, I am so disconnected from like the the f- fundamental like appreciation yeah. of this movie. And I think in our screening, at least, there were a lot of people of a certain demographic, book club demographics, who yeah. knew every yes. reference. I yes. could hear them behind me being like, Oh, and that was there was even and this is a super hipster thing. So she used a typewriter. The movie takes place in 1991, so she uses multiple typewriters actually, but the first one that you see. These people behind me are like, I have that typewriter. And I was like, shut <laughs> up. Like, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Of course you do. Uh, so, yeah, it was just, it was interesting uh, portrayal, you know, of this character, Lee Israel. She, Melissa McCarthy, when she does drama, it works. But the movie starts funny and ends funny. And I kept hearing that this was going to be like her big dramatic shift. When again, it was just like similar to Bohemian Rhapsody, but in a different way. It was just safe. Like, yeah. I don't feel like she was really challenged. She has one challenging scene. But to me, it was not as bad as uh, American Sniper with the baby. Oh, um, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there's a <laughs> scene in this one I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. really? Like, that's stuffed. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was just kind of weird. Uh, but before we do, like, ratings and everything, huge shout out, though, to my buddy Chris Lamberth of the Mundane Festival podcast. He was in this movie. It was his first feature film that he was in. Um, I was waiting for his appearance the whole time. I saw it. I nudged Matt. I was like, hey, there's my buddy Chris. Was, yeah, he had a good one-liner. He had a good, had one a good line. one-liner. Yeah. Um, good job, Chris. You did it. So that is awesome. Uh, congratulations. And I hope this film kind of gets played more and some festival stuff. Uh, spoiler alert, it will not. This is yeah, going I to... Think, I think the season's done. Th- this is going to... But this, this is going... Into uh, like ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I want to say right now. Uh, yeah, it is I, like killing it. I think it was like their featured movie or something. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it has some pedigree. I just looked up. So the the director is Marielle Heller, mm-hmm. uh, selected as a twenty twelve Sundance Screenwriting Fellow, Directing Fellow. Like, I know that you went to Sundance. Yeah. for many years. So yeah. I mean, those are some chops. Like she sure. she knows what she is doing. Uh, she did. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Actually, was this her first? Uh, let me see. This actually was her first feature movie. Okay. Oh, no. The Diary of a Teenage Girl. 
and oh, 2015. Diary of, okay. Yeah, I, I I think Diary of a Teenage Girl, personally, I, I enjoyed more. I felt like it was a little little grittier, a little riskier. Yeah, this, 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 this one does is not feel, risky. No, it, it feels just really kind of safe and, <laughs> and bland and... Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Like, yeah. your grandmother will love it. Your grandmother will go nuts for it. <laughs> I don't know who you are, listener, but trust me, your grandmother yeah. is going to The, the book to club freak. groups are going to yes. talk about this. NPR is going to love this. Yep. Uh, Richard E. Grant. like He's he, really good. He was really good. I think he's great. Uh, he gives so much more depth and so much more angst and character development and that is weird to have the supporting person be right. more compelling. I, I think the problem with her character is like she's like a misanthrope in the beginning. She's a misanthrope in the middle and she's a misanthrope in the end. Yep. And it's like we don't see a ton of transformation and that's fine. You know, like right. movies aren't predicated on like these clean character arcs. But but uh, as as a watching experience is like oh okay and also the extent of her heist I don't think we're very lucrative very, yeah it's like two hundred dollars like, woo it's right. the nineteen ninety one like that like, still is not a lot of money like, yeah it's like what three hundred dollars you're now? living in New like, York City yeah and and like <laughs> there's there's one point where she has to come up with five thousand dollars and she's struggling oh, that- to hit that mark and I'm like and the FBI. At some point is involved because of, because of her scheme. And it's like, wait, like how much money is she, has she actually made doing this? Yeah. And I feel like the movie really kind of slips up at, at like putting that into perspective. Cause yeah. it seems like she's just getting chump change. Well, and that, right? and like, like, but every time she gets this money, she is paying off her rent in advance. Right. She is doing all of this stuff. And I was like, how, like, this is not the sixties. $300 right. is not going to last long in New York no. city. Not even in 1991. Uh-uh. And that, that plot line that you just, Remind me of that I had forgotten about, literally goes nowhere. Right. So yeah, it was it was a little bit of a mess. I wish that it had been more of a drama and like yeah. really gave McCarthy the chance. Very dramedy. Very much so. Um, but yeah. So official rating for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Go for it. Oh, this is this is the time where where movies like this become very difficult yeah. to parse into three categories <laughs> because um uh i i there are aspects i i i like about this movie but i would never call it a great movie nor would i like drive people to spend their money seeing it right um nor do i think that there's anything bad or offensive or or not worth your time god oh this is really difficult um so i'll let that difficulty speak for itself but oh god (laughs) i'm like right between like good and bad Mm -hmm. um i uh i guess i'll go i guess i'll go good uh yeah i don't know I just want to say it's a B minus and be done with it for <laughs> a C plus, like somewhere along that line. Um, I don't know. Yeah, good, goodish, bad, badish, good. Mm, <laughs> nope, cop it. I need. A, I need a final answer. Oh god. Uh, all right. I would not actively recommend people see this, so I guess I'll call it bad. Okay. That's weird. Yeah, I'll call it bad. All okay. Right. Uh, I am C+. less. I am less conflicted with this. Okay. okay. Because with me. I am going to forget about this movie 
next week. What movie? Exactly. My yeah. mom is probably going to be like, like yeah. my mom is a big Melissa McCarthy fan. She's oh, so she will probably ask me about it. She will probably like the movie. She probably knows the authors. To me, I'm just watching a movie without much depth, and I was like, mm. yeah. so to me, bad. Yeah, uh, definitely not an ugly. Because I mean, yeah, catch this on Netflix. You know, some at some point. If you're yeah, if you're desperate to watch, if you're a a, a big book club person as we've established or if you're a melissa mccarthy completist Mm -hmm. or a ben falcone completist right um or richard e grant uh you're trying to see two movies um with characters with aids this month Mm. right yeah and i'm trying to do that uh but otherwise i don't think this is not a millennial movie it's just not (laughs) no it's just not it's it's targeted towards an older audience and and that's okay but yeah Okay. Not, yeah. for, not for us. So, uh, yeah. So, two bads from us. Cool. So, a quick uh, recap of the films we discussed. We discussed a bunch of them. So, mid-90s, I gave a solid good to. Um, yeah, it was something where I think a lot of people are, are going to uh, enjoy it. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, you gave it a good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to give it a good because Rami Malek is just spectacular. Uh, what they had... I give I give a bad because it wait did yeah. I give it a bad or did yeah, I, give, I think I yeah think you said bad I forget yeah of all the no, notes you did. I take you did yeah of all the notes I take I usually forget to do that uh, Suspiria two uglies oh uh, just... but ugly that's that's the next <laughs> the, the next level down yeah. uh, and then can you ever forgive me just too bad it was just yeah just kind of a movie that we'll definitely shrug. forget. Uh, upcoming projects for the About to Review podcast. So like I mentioned at the top of the show, the Seattle 48-hour horror film project. Um, I will be at that screening, probably do some interviews with some of the filmmakers. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you also to Geek Girl Con, which I was where I was this past weekend. I dropped an episode earlier this week because I wanted to make sure that people got that right as the con ended. So that was a great experience. Uh, Nutcracker is coming up. Nutcracker in the Four I am Realms. skipping that one. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Are you serious? That Uh, comes out like this Thursday, and the embargo is on Thursday. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Um, You know when Disney does that, they're terrified. Yeah. Uh, A Private War. Um, Oh, yeah. I'm going to catch that this week. Uh, And then this weekend, I will be heading out of town again to Vancouver to cover the Vancouver Asian Film Festival. Mm. Uh, Vancouver is home away from home. I love going up there. The Vancouver film community is spectacular. So, uh, yeah, that is those are upcoming projects for the About to Review podcast. Matt, where can people find you on social media so they can argue with you about the opinions you gave yeah, on this yeah, episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so, on my socials, uh, on Facebook, I'm uh, at Silver Screen Riot. Um, on the Twitters, I'm at SilverScreenRiot.com. And on Instagram, I'm uh, at FilmBuffAlo. Like mm-hmm. uh, like a film buff, but but a buffalo because I'm uh, <laughs> shaggy. Um, and then also, I uh, I recently got um, word that uh, I was approved as a uh, critic for Rotten Tomatoes. So pretty hey. soon, you'll be able to uh, look up my Rotten Tomatoes page, and I'll nice. have all that stuff right there. So super easy access there. Very cool, and all of that will be in the show notes below. So that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the About to Review podcast. Like I said, follow it on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Full links to the movies that we talked about and to Matt's different channels will be on aboutreview.com. 
email the show if you have suggestions for episodes, opinions on episodes, hit me up on social media or at aboutreview at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, review on your podcast platform of choice. So that is this week's episode. I have been joined by Matt Oaks from Silver Screen Ride, and I've been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.